exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowlers Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company. Well, for those of you that follow our show every week, you know that our purpose is to pass along knowledge and information to you, the bowling public. We also refuse to ignore the past, all of its great players and traditions of this great sport. Well, this week we have continued with another great player from the past. He's PBA Hall of Famer, Ski Ferenski. And Ski was a force back in the 60s, and he was a threat to win whenever he put on his shoes. As a matter of fact, he won six titles in that very competitive uh, decade of the 60s on Pro Bowlers Tour. And I have known Ski for about 50 years, and in all that time, I have never met a person who had anything negative to say about him. And he's a true character, and in fact, he even gave me the nickname of the Phantom. So let's get him out here. So Phantom fans, here's the great Ski Ferenski. Hello, Ski, and welcome to Phantom Radio. Hey, Lenny, how you doing, baby? I'm doing fine. You know, I've been talking to a really good friend of both of ours. Uh, that's Barry Asher, and he urged me all the time to have you back on the show. I had you on back in the day. He says, you got more stories, the Empire State Building. And, and I remember, Pards, you are a total character. And <laughs> first of all, how are you doing physically? We're all getting older, right? Well, you know, I can't believe it, Lenny. I'm going to be 86 years old this next coming birthday. And uh, I try and t- stay in pretty good physical shape and watch what I eat. And I try and walk uh, at least an hour a day and then uh, do a little light weight work and uh you know keep my head in the game the game of life baby that's important <laughs> well good for you you know uh as we get older people say you know how old are you it's really kind of hard to say it when you get up in the 80s i'm telling you <laughs> boy you know sometimes when they ask you you can't believe it yourself that you're 80 years old <laughs> i know you know you always did take care of yourself and you know i remember your wife uh she took good care of you, too, right? Oh, boy. What a dolly she is. She's the greatest in the world. 
Boy, she was a beautiful woman. I'll tell you what, you were really lucky. I don't know how you found somebody that pretty because you're not that good looking oh. yourself. <laughs> oh, you're not getting there. <laughs> All right, Barnes, let's get on with the show here. I, I chose you to, to come in and talk about somebody because it's always better to have somebody else's opinion besides mine. So who are we going to pay tribute to this week and why? Well, my dearest, dearest friend, I think, ever is Jack Biondolillo. And the reason we're going to talk about him today is he just died recently, October 2nd of last year. And it, he, just, he was just so good, Lenny. Yeah, there's things that people don't know about Jack that he did for people uh, that I admired him all my life for what he does. I mean, he was so involved in uh, the Houston area in the Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Cystic Vibration, Vibration uh, Foundation, uh, doing all kinds of fundraisers, speaking engagements, uh, went out of his way to do good for those those two organizations, and, and, and they'll remember him forever and ever. He was a super character himself, and, you know, just like you, uh, when you guys got together, it was just a laugh fest. I mean... You guys were so quick. You had such wits about you that uh, <laughs> I remember just sitting there watching you two. And, and you didn't have a routine, but you had so many stories back and forth and, and quick quips and whatnot. But not only that, he was one heck of a bowler, even though he had a bad set of legs, right? Remember his legs problems? Oh, he really had a big problem. He had to quit early, uh, Lenny. You know, I, I always tell everybody, if he had... Uh, the desire of a Don Johnson, he had won 30 titles, and it was physically able to go ahead and bowl. He had had at least 30 titles. That's how much talent he had. He did. You know, I, I remember one thing that stood out. He could barely walk one time. We were up in Milwaukee, and the lanes were really tough. And uh, I'm watching the guy struggle, and he came out, and he bowled a triplicate 245. And oh, boy. I never saw anybody in that whole block shoot a game over 220. And he triplicated. He had about three and a half steps, real small, little dinky steps. But he had such a strong, powerful arm that he just held the line there. And he was awesome. You know, uh, I got to say this part uh, before we go much further. You know, you mentioned 86 years old. Uh, I just had a guest on a couple of weeks ago. He was 92. And uh, it's Glenn Allison. Do you have anything you want to say to Glenn? Oh, boy. When Glenn and I were together on the, on the Glenn Smallcomb uh, bowling uh, team, you remember that? I sure do. Uh, well, Glenn Allison and I used to go ahead and, and handle uh, part of the giving out the expense checks, collecting the, the money and stuff like that. We took turns at it because we would take a little bit of time off and everything. And. Glenn Allison, all, he and I always had a bet. The last game of every squad that we bowled, it was for a Tangeray Martini. <laughs> I bet you he'll never forget that. We'd always say, time for a Tangeray, and then we'd head in the bar. What a great guy he is, baby. Huh. He's 92, and he's hanging in there. I know he, uh, let's see, I think he's rooming with uh, Jerry Hale. Do you remember yes, the guy by the name of Jerry Yes, Jerry called me about two two months ago out of the blue. Wow. 
And he said, do, do you remember me? I said, Jerry Hale, I remember you and your little boy, and we used to go swimming together. I mean, it's so good to hear voices from the past, Lenny, as you know. You know, you talk to him every week. But to think that they're still around and they're still able to communicate and, and, yeah. and you know, be well, able to talk to you. Those early 70s, I've said this many times, that was a favorite time of my life, just dealing with all you guys. I had a very controversial job, but, you know, you were all gentlemen. You were all professionals. I just loved hanging around with you guys. That camaraderie back in the day was, was unbelievable. In fact, I just I had Glenn on the show, and I'll, I'll tell him you said hello. But i got to take a pause here, and I'll tell you why. Because he has come out with a shirt, and he's selling this shirt, and Jerry Hale's helping him. So I told him I'd make an announcement, and uh, so I want the fans out there to get their pencils and paper ready because here's a chance to get a, a one-in-a-lifetime souvenir, and it's a one-of-a-kind also. And it's a brand-new Glenn Allison 900 shirt, and enjoy a discount from us here at Phantom Radio. So this 900 shirt has an image of Glenn on it, and it says, 900, I did it. So call his friend and, and part-time manager, Jerry Hale, uh, who you just mentioned, to, to order this shirt at 714-309-7587. It's got a variety of sizes. So give him a call and be the first in your area to get this historic souvenir shirt. Uh, call Jerry at 714-309-7587. And be sure to mention that you heard about this on phantom radio so all right ski uh, you know i don't want to take the time away from you and jack but i knew you and glenn hung out a little bit together because as smallcom was here in the bay area where i live and uh, and billy hardwick who is a mutual friend uh, he introduced me to all you guys back in the day and uh, that was some club of guys he had he sponsored i don't know what 15 guys something like that yeah, we had a, a staff of uh, 12 uh, adults, and he had a, a tremendous junior program, and he should be given a lot of credit for really starting a movement of the juniors in bowling back in, you know, the 60s and 70s when Glenn was around. A lot of credit to him. I guess his parents, uh, they owned a Chevrolet dealership in the Bay Area over here, and they made a lot of money, and he passed it out, I'll guarantee that. He took care of the juniors, but... Let's get back to Jack, and <laughs> this is a, a family show, and I'm not saying Jack was a little crazy, but he was a funny guy, and, and I know you probably got a thousand stories, especially you got some that you could probably even tell on the radio, so <laughs> <laughs> you got one or two for us while we're talking? Well, you know, uh, back in uh, 1968, Jack and I went ahead and signed up to bowl in the BPAA uh, National Doubles Championship. And he says, oh, you know, uh, I read somebody called me and mentioned that they were bowling. You want to be my partner? I said, sure, Jack, let's go ahead and we'll bowl. So uh, the qualify round for our area was in Tulsa. So Jack and I went to Tulsa, and it was a qualify the first day uh, and a match play the second day, and then the winners went to Chicago for the championship. So Lolly and I, his nickname was Lollipop, by the way, and I could tell you a story in a little bit how we got that name. He and I went and bowled, and when we got through, we went in a bar and had a drink, and all of a sudden, 
Lolly met this good-looking girl, and they started talking, and, and Jack, you know, he was kind of a smooth guy. He was good-looking. I mean, yeah. he had uh, slick-back hair and muscular, and, and I mean, he could talk a person into anything. And uh, so he said, uh, Skeezy, I'm going to take this girl out. I'm going to have a little dinner. I'll see you a little later at the motel. <laughs> I said, okay. So the next morning, I get up, I set the alarm, and... I look around, there's no lollipop. I said, holy shit, it's my doubles partner. And we made the finals. I, I take a shower, and I get out of the shower, and in comes Lolly. And he's not feeling any pain. We get in the car and drive to bowling lanes. I said, come on, Lolly, we got to go ahead and finish in the top six so we can go to the finals. All right, baby, all right. So we went in the locker room, and uh, I put my shoes on. And Jack went ahead and tried to put his shoes on and kerplunk out of the chair, Lenny, right on the floor. And he sat up and looked at me. He says, don't worry, baby, I got a lot of energy left. So he tried to put his shoes on, and he couldn't get them on. So there was a kid there that was uh, straightening up the locker room and getting the bags in a row and everything. And Lolly waved at him. And he says, you come on over here, Sonny, and I'll give you $5 to tie my shoes. <laughs> so the kid came over and put Lolly's shoes on and, and all that. He finally got them on, and I said, Lolly, do you think we're going to be able to bowl? He said, don't worry, don't worry. And naturally, we're going out. The first three practice balls, Lenny, he throws her all in the gutter. Oh, no. And I say, Jack, I don't want to embarrass you, and why don't we just say, you know, you hurt your back or you hurt your leg, we're not going to bowl. Don't worry, don't worry, I'll get lined in. I said, lined in? You just threw three in a row in a gutter. How could you be lined in? <laughs> and so we went out and uh, we had a bowl, eight games in uh, in a match play. And the first game, he comes out with 258, Lenny. Wow. <laughs> and the first, the first five games, the lowest game he has is 220-something. Wow. And then all of a sudden, it catches up with him. Sure. But we had a big enough lead to, to be able to make the finals in Chicago. And eventually, we won the tournament. We we beat Weber and Bluth in the very last game of the match play competition uh, in Chicago. And we both shot 240 and won. Fantastic. <laughs> I love that story because, you know, I can just picture him out there. Well, he knew he had a good partner, too. You know, a lot of people ski. They don't realize how good you were back in the day. I remember vividly uh, you were a tough competitor, and I, I've always said this, that the 60s and the 70s were the golden years of bowling on the tour, and even in the 60s, you were left-handed, but there wasn't very many lefties back in those days. It was Bill Allen and Dave Davis and McGrath and yourself, and, and with all those great righties, you know, and I can name them for an hour, but you were right there with them every week, and just like I said, you were a threat to win anytime you picked up your bowling ball, and you were well-respected. So I, I want to get another story in there, too, but, Jack, you, you keep mentioning Lolly. So you say you have a name about his nickname, Lollipops? Yeah, that's another story there, Lenny. It's it's about when he was uh, growing up. He was only about 16 or 17 years old, and he was turning into a child prodigy in, in the Houston area. He, was, uh, he got... Uh, bowling lessons from Billy Waylu, who had a bowling center here. Yep. And Billy saw the talent in that kid right away. 
and so and Jack's dad was an avid bowler, so he made arrangements with Billy Waylu to give Jack uh, bowling instructions and and really fine tune him to be a better bowler. Uh, at Billy Waylu's uh, bowling center, I mean, he had all kinds of business, and he had a group of guys, older guys, that uh, liked to bowl for money. Thank and lollipop, yeah, as lollipop uh, as. Maybe you don't know, but he loved to gamble. Boy, did he love to gamble on anything, Lenny. I don't care what it was. I know. So there was an older guy that uh, uh, was bowling in these uh, match games, and Lala would sit behind him and watch him and watch him. And, and I don't know how the conversation started, but Lolly said, uh, you know, one of these days I'd like to bowl you for some money, old man. And the guy looked at him and said, boy, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, I'm a pretty good bowler. And he said, yeah, but you're only like 16, 17 years old. He said, it doesn't make any difference. So the guy says, I'll tell you what, uh, what's your name? He says, Jack Beyond the Lillo. He says, I'll tell you what, Jack, Saturday, what, about 2 o'clock, why don't you and I get together and we're going to bowl for $250, a five-game match. Wow. Lolly, Lolly didn't have any money. I mean, he had a little bit of money. Yeah. But then he had some friends around there that were going to go ahead and back him and whatever. So here comes Saturday, and the place was packed. And Lolly comes strutting out. And Lolly, as you know, was a good-looking old boy. Yeah. And she had this, back then when he had hair, it was real shiny and slick back. And he used to carry a comb, Lenny, that was about 12 or 14 inches long in his back pocket. <laughs> And about every five minutes, he'd take that comb out and just run it on through his hair and pat his hair and look around. He tried to do that John Travolta stuff, you know. Okay, yeah. And so here comes Lolly. And so they decided that they're going to bowl $50 a game, five games. That old guy just whooped with Lolly's ass. I mean, five games, Lolly was through. Jack had to go on over and pay him. And so he gets the money out and... And all the people are waiting there, and he said, and your name is what again? And so Beyond the Little says, my name is Jack. He said, you're no Jack anymore. You're going to be the lollipop because you're a big sucker. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's how the lollipop started. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he was something else. Uh, he was the life of the party. He was handsome. He well-dressed. He'd, he'd prance around. He made sure people recognized him, but like you said, he was one of the most kindest gentlemen you'll ever want to meet. And I roomed with him a couple of times, not as many times as you, but uh, I remember one time in Fresno, he says, you got 20 bucks? I said, yeah. He says, all right, I'm going downstairs. So he went down to the pool and unbeknownst to me, he went next door to the liquor store and bought four bottles of $5 champagne and threw a party out there. And it was 115 degrees. He was a hero pouring champagne. Nobody knew that he didn't have any money, but that was Jack. You know, it was great. He would always go in, and the first thing he'd do, you know, if there were three or four guys sitting at a table having a beer, he'd walk in and say, hey, you guys, here, I'll buy the first one. That was his favorite saying. And whether he had money or not, you know, he was the first one to buy. So... <laughs> Uh, he was a classic, you know. Uh, I know you got a million stories. Uh, 
I don't know how much time we got left, but you got another favorite one you want to talk about, Jack? Oh, yeah, I'll tell it to you later, Lenny, but I can't tell it on TV. But another one is uh, we had a friend that lived in Houston here that had a, a, a place down close to Galveston, and it was on a bayou, and a lot of people used to go uh, water skiing down there, and Jack never knew how to water ski. So <laughs> here we're all sitting around, and Jack was the kind of guy that he would want to do anything. That's hey, Jack, let's do this. Oh, yeah, I'll count me in. So <laughs> I said, Jack, you want to water ski? I don't know how to water ski. Oh, shit, it's easy. He <laughs> says, well, what do I need to do? He said, well, you know, you get on these skis and stuff. And so he's sitting there in a wooden chair, and he said, no, I feel more comfortable this way. And, you know, we've been drinking some beers and stuff. So they finally said, we'll tell you what we're going to do, Jack. You sit in that chair, and we're going to tie you down on these skis. And all you got to do is hold on to the rope, and then when he takes off, they're going to pull you right out of the water. So they tied that chair on, onto that the skis and tied him back there and he's there got a can of beer in his hand and then he's sunk into the water and then and they said okay jack on three we're gonna pull you out <laughs> and here they go they pull out jack and there he gets up and he's he must have gone maybe 30 40 feet lenny waving his hand like he would he was a cowboy uh, <laughs> at the, the rodeo you know and yeah. all of a sudden he just flipped oh god dang and everybody thought jack probably killed himself so they ran out and the guy swam out to get him you know lolly got out there and he was laughing and he had more fun and he said uh, uh let's try that again a little later on but uh you don't have to tie me down but that was what happened on one of those times that we had with the lollipop yeah you've got so many stories about so many people your memory is fantastic i'm gonna have you back on we'll just tell some stories about different guys. All right, how's that sound? Right down the road somewhere. Yeah, that sounds good. I got, uh, you know, the little stories that uh, I really remember about guys like, like Earl Anthony. And I got a quick one to tell you about Earl. You got a minute? Let's do it. Come on, Parts. Let me hear it. Okay, we were bowling the U.S. Open in uh, Grand Prairie in, in outside of Dallas. And uh, I was bowling next to Earl. And so, you know, you bowl three eight-game blocks Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and they cut the field. So we went out, we bowled the, the late squad, and he's in first place, okay? The next day we come on out, we bowl again, and he's still in first place. So we go in the bar and have a beer. The third day we bowl, and he gets knocked down to second place. And he, we changing our shoes, and I said, we going in to have a, a beer, Earl? He said, no, you got your car here? I said, yeah, Earl, I got my car. He said, let's go down the street to uh, the Holiday and just you and me and have a quiet beer. I said, sure. So we got in the car and went down, and I thought he was going to – normally you would take a guy down there and they'd say, oh, goddamn lame man, that phantom screwed him up, or I couldn't carry, I had the wrong ball. And he talked to me for about – 30, 40 minutes, and never blamed anybody, Lenny. All he did was talk about how he could have executed better, and it really taught me a lesson that it's not all this other crap like jumping down your throat when you were doing the lanes. Yeah. But think back about what you could have done. You could have changed balls. You could have changed angles. You could have changed speeds, anything, you know, to make an adjustment. 
So I always thought about Earl and, and sitting in that lounge, and, and, and he was that kind of guy. He I mean, he wanted to win so bad, as you know, but he wouldn't blame anybody except himself. Yeah. So that's a lesson that I think everybody should learn. That's a great lesson. That's a great story. And, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention another guy uh, from the Houston area that he was always my roommate for four or five years. Uh, that was Butch Gerhardt, you know, and oh. everyone with a Butch and Glover, two lefties and Godman and, and Hardwick, you know, so I heard it from all sides every week. But, <laughs> you know, the following week, they don't forget about it and go back to normal and all that. But, boy, that Butch, he had a weird style, but he was tough, right? Oh, you may, I call him the G-Squad. Godman, right. Glover, and Gerhardt. Yep. That was the G-Squad, baby. It yeah, sure I know. Uh, Butch Gerhardt, Benjamin Franklin Gerhardt. That's right. And yep. he had a brother, uh, uh, I forgot, named after another president. I think he had two other brothers named after president. Yeah. Uh, Rutherford V. Hayes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, Butch and I were pretty good friends. He was uh, quite a character. You'd see him bowl. If he was down there practicing and uh, you thought about going down and asking somebody to bowl for money, you'd probably jump on Gerhardt because you said he can't even walk straight. Yeah. But he'd beat your head in. So let's schedule a show and you can talk about Butch, all right? Yeah, sure. We can talk about Butch and, and, and Glover and just, just all the guys, you know. All right. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to dig up my schedule here as soon as the show's over, and I'm going to schedule it. And uh, I can tell by the old clock and the wall, we're out of time for this week. But but, uh, Butch would be a great subject because he was such a character. He had so much talent, it was scary. He was just like you. Nobody had a bad word to say about Butch. He was a lovable guy, and and so were you, Ski. So in closing, what do you got to say? Anything you want to say to say goodbye? Well, Probably you, Lenny. You have done more for bowling than a lot of people. You have kept it alive. You kept the interest going by having people like me on and 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 Hardwick when he was around and and Barry Asher, guys that kind of nurtured the game. You know, brought it along, made it what it is now. And you kind of kept hanging in there and made us all happy. Wow. And I think you deserve. It credit. I appreciate hearing that Pards and uh, just hanging around with all you guys. I, I never made it as an athlete myself. I always wanted to be, but you know, the next best thing was to hang around with all you guys. And I'll tell you, it was an education. And it was a very fulfilling life. And I appreciate you being on my friend. I will get back in touch with you. We'll do another show. We'll, we'll tell a lot of stories about a lot of different guys. So I got to close. So for Phantom Radio, thanks again, Ski. This is a Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I'll...